A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Stall. 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 Bathroom stall? Call who for a good time? Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Okay. Hello! Spooky Halloween. Yeah. Yes, hello. Happy spooky Halloween, everyone. <laughs> I hope, I hope no one's listening to this at Halloween, so it just sounds like we're idiots. <laughs> no, I mean, the podcast comes out on Halloween, I know, doesn't it? Yeah. We won't necessarily be up to date or no, listen to it no, on time. No, true. It is um, one of the. So this is the second Halloween since we finished the radio show. Mm. Now, last Halloween, you were on maternity leave, so, oh, yes. so uh, it would have been yeah. one of the guest co hosts. Um, and it is, it's one of the only times, really, I've missed doing the radio show. <laughs> I used to love being on on Halloween and playing the Monster Mash. <laughs> what were our special names? Uh, I was, so Jeff Lloyd became Death Void. Oh, yes, Death Void, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was that? Oh, Anna, Anna Hell Corpse. <laughs> Anna Hell Corpse, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, so, yeah, I'll tell you what is uh, annoying me. A lot of people now dropping the apostrophe out of Halloween. Oh, is that an Americanism? I don't know where that comes from, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I make sure that I always put it in mm. as a matter of course Mm-mm. between the two E's. Yeah, yeah. Is, is where it Halloween. goes. Halloween, yeah. <laughs> um, our neighbourhood is a very Halloweeny neighbourhood. Oh, is it? That's nice. Yeah. Like a couple of years ago, I genuinely saw this. It sounds like a line, but I promise you it's not. I saw somebody putting a diptyque candle <laughs> inside a jack o' lantern. That's the poshest thing I've ever heard. I know, I know, but people go nuts for it here. Um, the f- first year that we moved here, we were we were excited about it being a Halloween because it's sort of this family neighbourhood, uh, lots of people with young kids here. And um, it was before we had our son. Mm-hmm. So we were th- these, these uh, child-free adults. But my wife, being American, loves Halloween. And at the old place, we never got trick-or-treaters. But we just had the sense that here we'd get loads. Mm. So she went out and she spent so much money on pick and mix and chocolates and things to give to the trick-or-treaters. And then we sat in excited and not a single kid knocked on the door. 
But the worst thing was, I mean, we could the street was full of trick-or-treaters. So why were they avoiding your house? Well, we thought, are we, I mean, are we the strange people in the street? Yeah, you don't go in that house. Keep yes. walking, keep walking. Yes, yes, yeah. 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 Um, and then it was only some time later we learned that the code is if you haven't got a pumpkin, uh, a yeah. jack-o'-lantern, outside your house, then the trick-or-treaters respect it and don't knock on the door. I only learned that last year. Yeah, because it, do, it does make you feel a little, what's, what's wrong with yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good because I had loads of... Uh, uh, loads of leftover sweets, <laughs> which is is good. Um, and then the next year, um, I did, it did a great thing. So as well as the sweets, I got a big bowl mm. and I emptied into it a load of raw Brussels sprouts. Right. So that when kids knocked on the door, they'd say, trick or treat. I said, oh, I've got a delicious treat for you. No. And then I'd show them the Brussels sprouts, watch the disappointment <laughs> on their faces, and then say, only kidding, oh. and then give them give them some sweets. You gave them a trick and a treat. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but there was this one, I mean, and again, it's a reflection of what kind of neighbourhood I live in. There was this one sort of somewhat... Uh, because it's not it's not a posh neighbourhood necessarily, mm, mm. but um, there was. In fact, I'll read you this. This is a I saw this on Twitter earlier on. It's from Alan, the Alan Partridge book. Okay. So I live in a neighbourhood um, called Stoke Newington, and this this is from the Alan Partridge uh, book. It says, day nine, I pass through Stoke Newington and Crouch End, too pleased with themselves, North London enclaves, where, in the words of Alan Titchmarsh, you could slap a stranger and feel sure that they deserved it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, th- I think I think that's the thing, too pleased with themselves. Right. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there would be... Very much a certain type of parent, okay. If you know what I mean, and this happened. Um, this this woman knocked on the door with her daughter. I answered. I got the sprouts and said, oh, "I've got a delicious treat for you." And the woman goes, "Oh, Brussels sprouts! That's so exciting, isn't it?" Oh, and I went, I'm only joking. Oh. I've got a real treat. She went, "Well, maybe we prefer the Brussels sprouts. Actually, oh. they're a bit healthier." Oh, no, don't. <laughs> Poor children. <laughs> so, what are you going as? What? What am I going as? For what, Halloween. What, to, to sit in and then, and then go to bed at like half seven? What do you mean going oh, no, as? No. This is the thing. This is another thing with my wife. Like the whole year, like a, th- a thing that I will hear throughout the year is, oh, maybe, is that, maybe that's what we can go as for Halloween. Oh, it's a thing for her. But we right. don't go anywhere. Right, you just sit in. <laughs> we, you know, we don't even get dressed up. But she's constantly thinking oh. about what she would be going as for Halloween. If she was going if she was, But, I mean, we're never going oh, no. anywhere. The first year Jean was born, um, she she did... Because Americans also have that thing that you don't necessarily have to be dressed up as anything spooky. So I think here, Halloween is very much sort of witches and wizards and ghosts and ghoulies and skeletons and and so on. Um, Whereas in America, it's just fancy dress really a lot of the time. Um, Anyway, the year Jean was born, she she got herself like a, a blonde wig and did her makeup a certain way. And then he was pretty bald. He didn't have much hair. She put a gold chain with a crucifix around his neck. Uh, she put him in like a white vest, tank toppy vest, and then a dressing gown. And they went as um, Carmela and Tony Soprano. Oh. <laughs> I think it's worth not doing spooky stuff just for that, isn't it? <laughs> they went to like the, the mother and baby group and everybody oh. else is dressed as a witch or a wizard oh, or, no. or, or, or oh. so on. And then last year, it was Jean's first year in nursery. Right, yeah. And she couldn't be bothered like find him a new, a new costume. So she just sent him to nursery dressed as Tony Soprano <laughs> without her dressed as Carmela and without the ability to explain what it was. <laughs> he can't tell me one. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. Do you have any wood? Jeff Lloyd, Annabelle Port, Adrift. Ooh, I 
in the stream. Well, I think that's all the spooky stuff we need. That's the Halloween section of the podcast over. As you quite rightly say, people could be listening to this on Bonfire Night and think, why are they going <laughs> yeah. on about Halloween? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing. And again, like uh, I know sort of cultural differences between Americans and British people isn't that interesting. But so for fireworks, for us, the association, the association is like a crisp, cold night. Mm-mm. For Sarah, it's a summer's night because their big fireworks night is the 4th of July. Oh. So fireworks to them are something you have in warm weather. Oh, and to no. us it's something you have in cold weather. Jacket potato. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Weird. Checking for hedgehogs yeah. in the bonfire. Uh, all right, so uh, as I say, that's that done. And on to your stories of failed human interaction. How's it looking this week, Annabelle? Well, we start with the first. We've got an update on an email from last week. If you remember James, who him and his girlfriend guilt trip each other into buying cuddly toys from charity shops. Yes. And I think when he was writing, they were about to go back and buy a particular one, I think it was called Papa Bear, what he says, update. I went in to buy Papa Bear, but he was nowhere to be seen. I asked at the desk and the lady said, oh, hang on, I'll ask, and shouted out the back, Babs, have you seen an old army like Bear? As Babs comes out, she sees me and proclaims, oh, it's the cuddly toy man. I'm known in a local charity shop as cuddly toy man. I must be on a watch list somewhere at GCHQ. Do you ever wonder what names people have for you in shops, cafes, bar and restaurants? Oh, God, that's horrendous, isn't it? I, I never, it never occurred to me that I might be so-and-so. Because when I worked in a shop, we definitely did that. You do it, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And so somewhere, somewhere, you might be one of those people that's got a name. Oh, I don't even want to think about what that but is. I'd like to hear emails about people's paranoia about what they might be called or finding out. I can't remember who sent it in, but a listener who accidentally liked an old Facebook picture of a waitress at a cafe, he goes yes. in. Yes. <laughs> what do you think he is? Creepy man. Oh, poor creepy man. <laughs> okay, let's move on to this from Andrew Mooding. I take it for granted that all drifters will generally agree that having an interaction with another human being via the telephone is figuratively akin to Chinese water torture. But I would further suggest that having an interact with strangers, especially ones from which you're hoping to procure some sort of service, ordering fast food, booking a plumber, etc., is infinitely worse and fills you with the sort of fear and dread you would only expect from being forced to look through holiday photos while round at your Aunt Sally's house for afternoon tea. For me, I can pinpoint the exact moment of this fear crystallise in my brain and was as the result of two horrible and back-to-back occurrences. When I was 16 and being the wild child that I was, I decided to try and book an evening's bowling at the local 10 pin for me and my friends. Okay, friend. As it was the late 90s and not having the number for the bowling alley, I dialed the trusty 192 in the belief that the great British telecom would not let me down. (laughs) Hello, I said. I would like the number for the Cosmic Bowl in Motherwell, please. Yes, but what's your address? Came the reply from the operator, really emphasising the your. I thought, that's funny that they need my address as well, but maybe they use it to monitor who's using the service or something, and dutifully gave him my home address. One second, please, came the reply, before an automated voice read out my own phone number to me. (laughs) This wasn't any use to me. I already knew my number, and even if I didn't, I wouldn't want to call it anyway. (laughs) Nothing much interesting that I want to discuss with myself. I hung up and consulted the yellow pages. On getting the number and remaining undeterred, I called the bowling alley and asked if I could get a lane, please. Sorry, there's no lane that works here, (laughs) came the reply. Oh, okay then, I stammered frantically before quickly ending the call. 
we stayed in and watched movies that night and I've never <laughs> called to book anything since. Oh, if that had have escalated any further, it could have turned into a two Ronnie sketch. <laughs> it could have done yeah. easily, yeah. yeah. Okay, this is from Andy in College Station, Texas. Early in my professional career, back in 2002, an office colleague sent me Christmas party invites to our work email, which at the time I was unable to check at home. The day came and I arrived at the house party an hour early. Instead of leaving and coming back at a later time, I acted like the early arrival was intentional. I told the colleague and his wife that I missed decorating for Christmas since leaving home for college. (laughs) They bought the story, or at least I think they did. Unfortunately, for the next three years, I worked with this individual. I had to keep the story going by arriving early at his annual Christmas party. (laughs) Happy to report, when I left his office, I never received a party invite again from the former colleague. And finally, this is from Imperial Duchess Jennifer Morris. I am a teacher and as such must attend periodic conferences and workshops for my professional development. I was at one such conference last week and completed a full day of maximum brain knowledge absorption or learning as some call it. Let's just be clear. I've been up since 5am. It was now after 4pm and I've been busy listening all day. This may all be an excuse. You can decide. (laughs) As the event wound to a close, my friend and I went to the ladies' room to prepare for our long drive home. I was standing by the sinks waiting on her when another person came out of the cubicle, washed her hands, turned to me and admired my dress. I should mention that I sew and make the vast majority of my own clothes. This particular dress was in some funky Doctor Who fabric. It turned out that this lady sews too. Conversation turned to fabric and patterns and how we both shop online with some Facebook groups. She then told me who made the pattern for the top she was wearing, which was a mashup of a pattern for pirates pattern. This company has a very large Facebook following and like to refer to each other as pirates and often wax lyrical about their in-the-wild sightings of fellow pirates. I exclaimed that I use a load of their patterns too. This whole exchange had probably only taken a couple of minutes in total. The conversation was flowing. We were bonding. It was perfect. My friend had appeared, washed her hands and was eager to get on the road. So I wrapped it up. I turned to say my farewells to my newfound friend and said with gusto, this is great. I finally met a real pirate. We exited the bathroom and headed out of the conference to the car park. Perhaps I should mention at this point that my new friend very clearly had a visual impairment as emphasized by her wearing glasses, one lens of which was black. Oh, no. Yes. Yes, I had just called her a pirate. As I'm sure you can imagine, by the time we reached the car park, I was beside myself. with my good friend having borne witness to this awful, hideous blurt of mine. The only saving grace is that we're in a different state for the conference and they're moving it to a state even further away next year and I shall never return. P.S. She had a hook for a hand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Please share your stories with us. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Adrift. Adrifting. Adrifter. Naughty. Adrift. And a hell. Yes. Uh, you've uh, you've prepared a story. Ah. Is it a spooky story? Kind of, not really. <laughs> uh, what's it about this week? Well, it is about how I was a very anxious child and very anxious about crime. And I think it was partly because of my family's obsession with crime drama. And Saturday nights, they weren't filled with sequins and the smiles of Strictly or the fake eyelashes and tears of the X Factor. It was all about murder, mystery and suspense on ITV. Do you remember that? Yes. It was like a, it was a banner heading for a kind of a film or a miniseries, all to do with some kind of murder yeah, or mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably doesn't help that I also have an anxious mother. I know I've mentioned before that she used to carry a knife slipped into the pram hood of her grandson's (laughs) buggy as they regularly used to see a dog that she didn't like the look of. (laughs) 
also probably didn't help that when I was little, we were always being burgled. Like it was a regular thing. Seriously? Oh my God, it was oh, like... You've never told me that before. Always being burgled. Like how other families might go to a theme park once or twice a year. Our thing was getting burgled. It's like, oh, wow. it's the burglary. <laughs> <laughs> Happened all the time. So I suppose all this made me a bit anxious to the extent that I did once spend one whole morning during a halftime holiday when my parents were both at work and my sister was out. The whole morning, so 8.30 in the morning until 1, until my mum got back, hiding in the downstairs toilet with a squash racket. Which is weird, as I have no idea why there was a squash racket in the house and nobody plays squash. <laughs> and what was I going to do with it? Leave a slight grid mark on the burglar's face? It's also, it's not like the downstairs toilet was any kind of fully equipped panic room. It was actually right next to the front door. Although I think the burglar probably would have been too distracted to kill me by the numerous photos of my dad at the finishing line of marathons with the respective medals hanging around them that were displayed in the downstairs toilet. But the downstairs toilet will be a major location when they make a film of the time that someone tried to burgle us when me and my big sister were at home. Now, I can't remember how old we were, but I think I'm guessing about 10 and 12. And we were home alone during the day. And the one thing we'd been told was, don't answer the door to anyone you don't know. That's a classic thing, isn't it? Mm. Parent thing. And we had a peephole so we could have a look through. I don't, I don't know if, if I told you about our front door when I was growing up, about how it was almost identical to the 10 Downing Street one, <laughs> despite the fact that we lived in a 70s built, linked, attached house on an A road. <laughs> And the door was on the side of the house. It was an attempt at grandeur, only surpassed by the time my dad tried to grow ivy up the side of our 70s linked attached house on an A road. But it, was a, it was a very, very glossy black door with brass door furniture that my dad would get the brasso out for at least once a fortnight. Like it was his pride and joy, that front door. Anyway, back to the drama. So me and my sister, I think if they made a film of it, sorry, when they make a film of it, (laughs) if they made a film of it directly after, I think my sister would be played by the girl who was Pepper in Annie. Right. And I'd have been played by, I think, maybe Claire from Grange Hill, whoever played her. (laughs) So we're home alone and we hear a knocking at the door. We both look through the peephole and it's definitely a stranger. It's a man, probably in his 20s, casually dressed with one bandaged hand. So we follow the rules. But it just does not stop knocking. Like my memory is that he knocked for over an hour, but I'm willing to admit that this might not be accurate, mainly as it might be a bit boring for the film. But he knocks for a very long time. And as you remember, the front door is next to the downstairs toilet where my dad would take his morning toilet business while looking at photos of himself, crossing marathon finishing lines, and then leave the window open. So when the knocking finally stops, we hear another noise, which is unmistakably someone trying to climb through the window of the downstairs toilet. Now, someone who has seen someone be murdered every Saturday night during murder, mystery and suspense <laughs> over the last three years, I immediately panic, go into the living room and start trying single-handedly to drag the three-seater sofa out of the room, <laughs> into the hallway and up against the downstairs toilet door, thereby blocking the entrance point of the murderer. My sister, meanwhile, looks at me, rolls her eyes, opens the door of the downstairs toilet and says to this man who was halfway through the window, excuse me, (laughs) while holding a spatula for reasons I'm not entirely sure of. And the man says, perhaps from fear of the spatula, oh, I'm sorry, and starts coming back out again. (laughs) By the time my dad came home a few hours later, we thought it was so exciting and hilarious. And he was utterly horrified, mainly because he knew how told off he'd get by my mum when she found out he left the window (laughs) open again. I bet that telling off was far worse than the excuse me. So really, I'm just waiting for the film. You know, if any Hollywood big shots are listening, look forward to that. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift. With you, which is saying something about you. 
A reminder that we're, we're able to keep the podcast going because of your support on Patreon. If you support us, thank you very much. If you're not able to support us, we understand that. If your circumstances have changed for the better mm. and you weren't able to support us, but you now are, mm. you know, just a little bit of money every month, you know, maybe, maybe you've come into some money, maybe a long lost relative has left you a large sum of money on the condition that you spend the night in a haunted house. <laughs> Maybe you bought a house and then prized open the bath panels and found like wedges and wads and wads of £50 notes. Yes, yeah, there's Maybe. This, this kind of thing yeah. you occasionally hear about. So yeah. if you don't support us on Patreon, um, would, would you give it some thought? That's all we ask Please if do. you're able to. It, uh, it helps us keep the podcast going. And we are preparing for our next bonus material for Patreon subscribers. And... Um, there's been a couple of suggestions mm. on a similar vein that I quite like. Mm. Um, this one comes from Ian Johnson, who says, Hi, Annabelle and Jeff. Um, I was fortunate enough to pop along to Annabelle's recent book reading in Leafy Wanstead. Oh, hello. Yes. Uh, he says, I'll admit to not being familiar with the old show on Absolute Radio, but it did not in any way dent my enjoyment of reading all those balmy challenges. Oh. It would be great to hear about what other challenges poor Annabelle was faced with, only to express uh, my sympathy, of course. And I wonder if one idea is uh, if they were written up and then made available to certain level Patreon supporters, uh, yeah, yeah. maybe one a month or something like that. It's just a thought. Oh, I'd very happily do that. So uh, were there any that you left out of the book? Well, then? I only did 30 th or 32, and I think I worked out that I did like over 300 or something. So, I mean, there's... <laughs> There's plenty left over. <laughs> and and then there was um, a suggestion for Ruth that, you know, she understands that with you being uh, a, a newish mother, that you don't have the, you know, when we started the podcast, you would still do little challenges. Yeah, yeah. But um, because you're a newish mother, it's it's difficult for you to go out and do these things uh, every week. Mm. But you could do the occasional one yeah. as Patreon bonus material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did have an idea when I saw Ruth's email and it made oh, me God. think, there's a news story this morning. <laughs> oh, no. That this is horrific. Okay. 60% of all animals mm. have been wiped out by humans oh, yeah, since that. 1970. Yeah, yeah. But has anyone, did you, know, did you notice? Those what? Had you noticed they'd gone? <laughs> but had you like, can we all be honest with ourselves? Did had you noticed? <laughs> I hadn't noticed. But what does that say? Let, let's reflect on that. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, I wondered if a nice assignment for you might be to uh, to to unite the animals in an animal uprising. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's the sort of challenge you'd set on the radio show, and I'd go, I'm doing that? Ridiculous. Unite the animals. That'd be insane. Am I supposed to go, like, go to London Zoo and say, psst, psst, hey, monkey, hey, elephant, get together? What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> that sounds like the sort of thing you could have dragged out over four days yeah, on the radio true. show. Yeah, yep, true, yep, true, yep. True, yeah. Can you imagine, though, if the animals had wiped out? 60% of humans. I'd Pe notice that. People would be cross about it. We would. They'd we be would. up in arms about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be writing letters to their MPs and all sorts. <laughs> that's true, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Um, anyway, so maybe it's not that one, but maybe, maybe there is, yeah. you know, a challenge for, for Patreon that you could do <laughs> mm. and, and tell that story. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll have a think about yep, it. Yeah, In the meantime, uh, if, if you would like to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com stroke adrift. And if you already do, we're, we're very grateful to you. Thank you. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. If you get close enough, you can... Taste the freshness.
I mentioned either last week or the week before that we are in the process of finding a new cleaner. Now, I want to reassure listeners that although I've had a cleaner for 20 years, I'm not comfortable with it. Okay. You know, I'm I'm not comfortable on the day the cleaner's here. I'm very apologetic. You know, I, I can't give any kind of instruction or constructive criticism or anything. All I can do is behave in a slightly grovelly way around a cleaner. <laughs> right, okay. just want to be clear on this because people might be thinking, who's he with his cleaners, mm. right? So I just want to get that out of the way first. Um, did I tell you what happened to our old cleaner? Did she ghost you? Yes. Yes, you did say. Yeah, yeah. I find that quite unbelievable yeah, yeah it, it, it was it was so weird so we had this cleaner her name was Taya like for a long time we thought she was called Thea mm. or Thea and then we she she sent us a text and wrote her name in it and it was spelt T-E-A oh. so Sarah said oh I'm so sorry if we've been pronouncing your name wrong all this time she said yeah it's actually Taya and and Sarah said oh that's that's fine now I think I've also mentioned that my best friend Dave and his wife Beth on our recommendation, also used Taya as a cleaner. Okay, yeah. And I said to them, oh, do you know it's pronounced Taya, not Thea? Mm. And they went, really? I said, yeah, she told us. But they continued to call her Thea. Right, well, yeah, it's a bit awkward, isn't because it? Because she yeah. hadn't told yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, I think I've talked about that on the podcast before. I mean, that, that's a strange one in itself. Anyway, um, not long before our cleaner ghosted us, Dave and Beth moved away from London to uh, to Bournemouth. Right. So they you know they weren't able to employ Taya anymore. So we went and visited them this weekend. Mm-hmm. And um we got talking about the fact that Taya had ghosted us. Yeah. Like she she'd been a and I think we we're, we're nice, you know, as I explained before there's nothing sort of strict about me. I always try and pay her above the odds. And also we'd pay her to um, do a bit of babysitting from time to time at the same rate she was cleaning. And the babysitting wasn't sort of looking after Gene and child-minded. It was sitting on the settee and watching the TV while he was in bed. Right. You know, so I always wanted to give her a bit of extra money. And and, I'm really sort of building up my side of the argument. (laughs) And, And then, you know, she stopped replying. She stopped turning up. She stopped replying to messages. And then we became really worried about her. Mm. Thought like, what's what's happened to her? Yeah, you know, yeah. hope, you know, she's not well. Have her circumstances changed in some way? You know, we we were worried. And I think Sarah had sent some message saying, "Are you okay?" And the ghosting continued. Yeah. She never replied. Yeah. Anyway, so we go and visit Dave and Beth this weekend. Yeah. We find out from them. Yeah. She's been texting them. All the time, saying how much she misses them, sending pictures of her kids, asking yeah. how their kid is doing. Yeah. And they moved away and she's still in contact with them. Yeah. What's happened? I don't know. Um, and how should I feel about it? I find out on this week's The Incident. Rachel Hosey is senior lifestyle reporter at Insider. In the past, she's written about being ghosted. Yeah, I mean, the term ghosting originated in relation to relationships, dating, your love lives. However, it does happen in other aspects of your life. You can be ghosted by a friend or, in this savage case, by a cleaner. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually incredibly... I'm hurt for you hearing about (laughs) it, especially because it sounds like, you know, she wasn't just a cleaner. She was... Kind of, you know, someone that you knew well and babysat your kids. Exactly. Um, so, and, and I think we were nice to her, but maybe it, it turns out that my friend Dave and his wife Beth were, were much nicer to her. And maybe we're horrible, we're like Victorian mill owners or something. <laughs> but when you get ghosted, you start to question yourself. Yes. Because you, 
you, you don't get this sense of closure, which you get if someone says to you, I don't want to see you anymore and this is why, or I didn't feel the sparks was there, or I'm just too busy with my career right now, or it's not me, it's you. I mean, the other way around. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you're given some sort of reason, then you can be like, oh gosh, that's a shame, but I know why and I'll move on now. Whereas this kid has just ghosted you and now you're left wondering, was it something I said? Was it something I did? Am I not a nice person at all? Exactly. So many unanswered questions. So in, in your investigations into ghosting, which we'll come on to in a second, mm. have you found any common thread in either the reason people ghost or the type of person who is a ghoster? I think people ghost because it is so easy to ghost. It is the easiest way out. People don't want to have uncomfortable conversations. And thanks to technology... You can just not reply. You can just ignore someone. You can just fall off the face of the earth. And it's so easy to do that. I mean, I personally actually don't think it's easy to do because I, I don't know, my moral conscience doesn't really let me. So I felt there was an insinuation there that people who ghost are people of low morals. Mm, I feel like I sort of gave (laughs) off that impression, didn't I, without even planning to. Am I judging people who ghost? Yes. Yes. Yeah, let's judge them. I am. I think it's terrible. I think it's absolutely terrible well you you did something interesting for an article Mm. you went and you contacted people who previously ghosted you that you'd met on the on the dating apps can you tell me a bit more about that yeah sure so i realized i like a lot of millennials a lot of single millennials had been ghosted you know quite a lot of times and i decided to message these guys and sort of try and find out what happened or why they ghosted me And it was very interesting because, you know, actually in about half the cases, they just ghosted me again. They ignored my message and didn't reply, which sort of wasn't surprising, even though I hadn't gone straight in with, hi, me again, just wondering why you ghosted me. You know, I hadn't, I'd started with a more gentle sort of, hi, how are you or something. (laughs) Um, One guy was actually very helpful and he said, the thing is, we've got so many people demanding our attention these days. And when it comes to family, friends, colleagues, someone that you, you know, have been on one date with or haven't been out with at all falls to the bottom of your priority list and sometimes you just forget. Um, however, I do think if you were actually very into someone, you wouldn't just forget. Of course, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think one guy was just saying that uh, I didn't think it was going to go anywhere, so I didn't bother. But, you know, that's the thing. Now you just don't reply instead of saying, look, I don't think it's actually going to go anywhere, so let's call it a day or something. He just didn't reply, and that's what you can do now, and it's so normal. But they're the ones who should be feeling awful because they, they ghosted you in the first place. I know. Funnily enough, I don't think I got any apologies. I don't think I got any sorry i did that now isn't that fascinating so it's considered to be acceptable behavior yeah exactly and 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 just one one last thing like have you ever or or would you ever consider confronting a a ghost of face to face do you know what i think it depends on the situation i think if you sort of met organically then i would probably feel empowered and say it however would I actively, you know, sort of track someone down and arrange to meet up to say, why did you ghost me? Probably not, because I just can't care that much. All right, I'm, I'm not going to turn up at uh, our old cleaner's front door then. <laughs> I mean, you could do. If you really want answers, I think you're entitled to them. (Laughter) 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is warm and friendly, and you like it. And that's why you're here. You were the one that pressed play after all, with your thumb. Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. You have a lovely thumb. Uh, a couple of little things. I, I mentioned before that I went to see my friends Dave and Beth at the seaside this weekend in Bournemouth. Uh, two things of note happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one was we went to the beach and there's a little fairground there and I let my son go on a merry-go-round and oh. a little... Um, a fire engine going round and round and round. He was very happy. And then there's this Helter Skelter. And I don't really like that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, so my wife goes up the Helter Skelter and she slides down with him and he has yeah. such a good time coming down the slide. Uh, he asks if he can do it again and, and his mum says, oh, Daddy will take you this time. Right. And I really didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what it, what it is that I don't like. It's the end of the slide. So the landing, yes, on the, yeah. Because right. I've taken, well, I've tried a couple of times. Once at a water park when he was really tiny, yeah. and a couple of times on the slide in in our local park, and I just can't land very well. Okay, so is it all a bit kind of legs all over the place? Yeah, and and right. like you know, my gluteus maximus. <laughs> Like ends up bruised. Do they have those very rough mats? The kind of mat you'd have outside your house. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. like those. No, no. Yeah. But but um, you know, I, I feel she's done one slide down with him, so I should mm. do the other. Yeah. So I start going up the staircase. I pay the guy and start yeah. going up the staircase in this mm. thing, and straight away I don't like it. It's too steep. It's rickety, <laughs> rickety um, metal stairs. The whole structure feels sort of wobbly and insubstantial to me. And then I get to the top. Mm. And it overstates it to say I had a full-blown panic attack. But, I, I, I mean, I was simultaneously trying not to scare my son and trying to keep my centre of gravity as low to the ground as possible. <laughs> I was squatting. We're on this platform on the top of this rickety wooden helter-skelter. And, I, you know, I could feel my breath going. I later, you know, I wear one of these smartwatches. I later looked at my heart rate for the day and it had gone through the ceiling while no. I was at the top of this thing. And And... I had to ring my wife from the top of the Helter Skelter and get her to come up and go down the slide with him. Because no, I was, yeah. you couldn't even go down. No, I was too scared. I was just really scared of the height. And this is, just to be clear, very clear, this is a kid's, a kid, like little kid's thing. It's not like a scary kind of roller coaster type slide. No, no. but we'd, we'd, we were at the top of a structure <laughs> that was sort of as tall as a small house. God, he's quite tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not like a big house. Yeah, right. Like okay. a, a little house. A bungalow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and then the other thing about this is, so I'm not great with heights, mm. but I do feel I've got better over the years. Mm. And the only time in recent years anything similar to this has happened to me is the London Eyes, that big wheel that you will have seen. If you don't live in London and you know you don't know it, it's, you will have seen it. It's the big wheel on the Thames, like a huge version of a te- Ferris wheel mm. with these capsules that go around very slowly so you get these magnificent views of London and I I lose count of how many times I've been on that thing (laughs) like firstly because we once did a whole four hour (laughs) radio show from it just going round and round and round 
And then secondly, like I would have a lot of people from abroad come and visit from Sweden or then when I got together with Sarah from America or whatever. And I'd have like a little mental map of a great tourist tour I could do with them, right. which would include going round on this thing. Mm. So, I mean, no exaggeration. I must have gone on it 30 times. Right. Yeah. Just before Jean was born, um, my mother-in-law came over with her friend, Wendy, and, you know, I did my classic tourist tour. We w- got in a capsule, and as, fairly much as soon as it moved off, I, I got into such a panic. I was borderline hyperventilating. No. I was convinced the thing was going to come crashing to the ground. But out of nowhere, after all those times. Yeah, I know. It's so weird, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think five years ago, I would have been okay going on a Helter Skelter. Oh, what is it? It's not age, is it? I don't know. I mean, is there such a thing as a late in life phobia? <laughs> Maybe. Because they, but don't they tend to develop in childhood? Usually, yeah. Well, how did you handle it in front of your mother in law? Did you play it cool or did you let it all out? I, I let, let it all out. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's like a bench area in the middle of these capsules, oh, yeah. and I had to sit on the bench in the middle with my head in my hands, oh, just sort no. of um, like focusing on my breathing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's so weird. It's so weird. Um, So that that was one thing that happened at the seaside. And then the other one, we got on the train to come back, and it's a relatively empty train. This is me, my son, and my wife. So there's three of us. But, like, every, you know, they have the tables for four people on trains. Mm. And I feel like there are far fewer of those than there ever used to be. Oh, really? I think they've, like, ripped out a lot of seats and put in the airline-style seats. Um, But every single table had one person at it. I hate that. Right. That's such a pet hate of mine. Yeah. So, and I've got, you know, a toddler and loads of bags and a wife. And I just, and she's gone up the train to look for a table and she's rang me to say she can't find any and she's on her way back. So I look at this one guy and he's sitting at this table for four on his own. And what he's done is he's got his coat and strewn it over the seat opposite him. So giving the impression that the whole table is taken. Yeah. So I think I'm not having this. You're not fooled by that, are you? No. So I plonk Jean down in one of the empty seats (laughs) and I say, oh, sorry, we're going to sit here. Can you move your coat, please? And the look on his face as... He says, okay, fine. He moves his coat and he puts it on the seat next to him. And, of course, we need three seats. Yeah, my wife's yeah. come back. He says, sorry, my wife's joining us. We're, we're going to need three seats. He went, well, I'd better move then, hadn't I? <gasps> no. Yeah. I said, well, no, no, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, there's four seats. Uh, <laughs> One each. He went, I want to get some work done and, and then moved. No, God. How did you handle that? Well, I mean, I feel I got what I wanted, yeah, which yeah. was the table. Yeah, yeah. And it was an ideal situation because we had a whole table to ourselves. <laughs> quite quite well. But I, th- I think, you know, the sort of rule in this situation is if you sit at a table on your own, you know you're trying your luck, really. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. maybe you'll get really lucky and you'll have that, the luxury of all that space Mm-mm. for the entirety of your journey. But more likely you'll have to share it. Yeah. Otherwise, you you know, charter a private train like the Royal Family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just do that. Yeah. And and I think it's okay, like, to have your heart sink when somebody comes and sits next to you and mm. you've got a bit of space on any form of public transport. Yeah, of course. That's normal. But what's yeah. not okay is any kind of outward display of that. Uh-uh. Yeah, okay, good. We're agreed on mm. that. Get with it. Get with it. Get with it. With, 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 with. Get with it. Adrift. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. I mean, that could have been... A question on Quandary Corner, couldn't it? The thing about the train and the seats and so on. Well, if I was setting rules, I'd say if you're travelling on your own, you just can't have that table. Sorry. You say don't sit at it in the first place? No. Nope. 
But isn't it more frustrating mm. if you see somebody go and sit at that table on their own? You've you've behaved well. You're in a two seat. Yeah. You see somebody go and sit at that table on their own, Mm-mm. and it's a quiet train, and they manage to have the whole f- table for four for the entire for the Mm-mm. entire journey. Mm-mm. Basically, you've lost out by being more polite. No, but you get the smugness of feeling like I did the right thing. I, th- I think it's okay to sit on, on your own as long as you accept yep. that other people could come and join you and you've got to be gracious when that happens. And a family of four, did you just move? Oh, yeah, absolutely, good. Yeah. Yeah, good. yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think probably in the situation that he was in, mm. I would have moved as well just to, you know, say, look, just to make it more comfortable for yeah. you, I'll, 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 get out, I'll get out of your way. But, uh, yeah, but mm. you, I mean, you're hardline. Very No sorry. sitting at the table in the first nope. place. Uh, but speaking of, of these types of things, mm. Quandary Corner, this is where you send in a situation you've found yourself in but not known the correct behaviour, and we tell you what the correct behaviour would have been. OK, the first one is from Lieutenant Colonel Colin Anderton. I have a few specific quick-fire <laughs> problems for you. I yeah. think these fall firmly in the rural school department of the GLAP Clinic. One. I think we can all agree that the most awful people in the world are those who absent-mindedly stop in the middle of a path or hang about in the middle of a busy tourist attraction. They lack basic awareness skills and show no signs of caring about other people. We were on holiday last month and they were everywhere. The way I deal with it is to mutter something passive-aggressive about them to my wife, something like, oh yeah, well, well done, just stands around the middle of the path. Definitely not loud enough for them to hear, though. (laughs) But usually that means Alison doesn't hear either, so we walk off with her in a state of confusion, asking loudly what I just said and me shushing her. Is this the correct rule, or should I be dealing with these idiots in a different way? I think it's all about awareness mm-hmm. here. I think, like, if you're at the Taj Mahal, for example, it's okay to stand gawping at it, yeah. but you've also got to have an awareness of the the flow of people around you and yeah. how you might be obstructing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think you're on the right lines. I think you need to be passive aggressive in this situation, but I I would. You know what I would do is sort of brush past them and like almost jostle them a little bit <laughs> and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry." <laughs> hoping then to elicit an apology out of them. Yeah. It'd be better if all tourist attractions were like the Crown Jewels at the Tower of London where you're basically <laughs> on a conveyor belt and just push past it. I mean, it works. It does work. Yeah, it's a good system. Okay, n- number two. <sighs> this specific rule <laughs> surrounds the use of the word specific. I'm pretty sure it's not that common a word. And yet, in the Adrift Letters to Annabelle, it comes up quite a lot. (laughs) And as we know, Annabelle struggles to say specific. I think people, therefore, are having a bit of fun specifically at Annabelle's expense. (laughs) So my question is, should specific be banned from Adrift correspondence? Or is this just lighthearted teasing, which we should carry on with? (laughs) Please be very specific in your answer. So I hadn't noticed. I had. So you it think comes up it, all the time. People do it on purpose. I'm sure of it. I wonder if I should cross-reference it with the uh, the correspondence we get to the other podcast. Yes, do and yes, see yes. how often that word. Yeah. In fact, maybe I got the mailbox open here for the other podcast reasons. <laughs> you could actually do this now. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can see if there's more instances. Um, well, this would be interesting. Let me just. It's going to take me a second because I don't think I'm logged in. I think I'm logged into. The Adrift, understandably, I think. Yeah, yeah, of course. Adrift in... Uh, the, the podcast, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're just going to type the word into the search engine, see how many results you get and compare. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm typing in specific. Oh. Some reasons to be cheerful 
About 74, it says. Yeah. Okay. And should we do the same thing yep. for a drift? Yep. Okay. Oh, going to be interesting. Hello at Just opening up the mirror. Right. Right. About to get the results. He's typing it in. And, oh, there's less. Yeah. Just 22. Yeah. Disproved. Yeah. God, thank God I don't work on the other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Screwed. <laughs> okay, number three, he says, in an early episode, Jeff told us that one of his skills was knowing at what time of day food can be eaten. Mm. I don't normally bother with breakfast, but occasionally I'll get hungry in the car to work. Is it okay to eat crisps at that time of day? I'm no, told it's not acceptable, no, but I no, can't see the problem. Please no, help. No. 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 Um, I'm trying to think. You could have like a tracker bar. Fine. Or some kind of cereal bar like... A Belvita you know. biscuit. Yeah, and, and anything along those lines. You could have like a little pot of Yakult. Fine, yeah. But no, absolutely not crisps no. at that time of day. You, you disgust me. <laughs> okay, well, that's everything tied up there. Let's move on to the next one, which is from Nikki. My daughter is getting married in a few weeks. One of the guests, my brother-in-law, is the life and soul of the party. But his partner of the last few years is much quieter, not very sociable, and tends to avoid our family gatherings. We were quite surprised when he RSVP to say she was coming. She is vegan, so had requested a vegan menu, which was not a problem at all. The deal with the caterers is that everyone gets the same unless they have special dietary requirements. So when we met with them to choose our menu, we also chose a vegan menu for her starter is vegan anyway main course we picked a vegan equivalent of what everyone else was having but weren't sure what to choose for the dessert there were three very different choices and we didn't know what she'd like so we thought it would be a nice gesture to ask her to choose in hindsight this was the wrong thing to do my daughter sent a message to her uncle and attached a copy of the whole menu not just the vegan choices when he replied with her choice it was not vegan now, I have no problem with vegans choosing to fall off the wagon, despite my husband calling me a Nazi, but we couldn't go back to the caterers with a non-vegan choice. I don't know how that makes you a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're two quite different things. Yes, yes. I don't know how, how much um, you've read about them. Well, yeah, I think I <laughs> How many right films there. you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we couldn't go back to the caterers with a non-vegan choice as the only reason she got to choose was because her food had to be vegan. My daughter and I drafted a reply which basically said, sorry, but her dessert has to be vegan because we've requested a vegan menu for her. Three days later, brother-in-law phoned to say she wasn't coming due to personal reasons. Wow. Are we bad people? What could we have done differently? What are the rules? Hope you can help. I mean, just any situation where you can blame it on somebody else is is good. I mean, mm. it's the the caterer was inflexible on this occasion, and 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 you know that's just their rules, and sometimes you have to live by people's rules, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think with weddings, I think there's food served. If you don't like it, you just won't eat. I don't, yeah. I don't think you get to choose. I don't no. think you get to kind of like, it's, it's not up to you to kind of say what you want. I think they did a very nice gesture. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally blame this woman. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She seems awful. And I don't know if that's what the husband has, you know, he's corrupted her in some way. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I think the, the rule should be that you don't ask. And unfortunately, they broke that rule in the, in the first instance. Yes. Because okay. I've seen that happen with friends. They've sent menus around and then it just becomes a nightmare because everyone wants something different. No, no, you can't do that. No, you no. can't do that at all. Okay. I mean, I have a. a, a smidgen of sympathy because i have to request a vegetarian meal often mm. on that's a plane, okay yeah. right and I'm, also at weddings obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah things but like that are fine. i'm just saying on an airplane <laughs> right. i will often request a vegetarian meal yeah because i have to because you know sometimes they just don't have the option on board yeah 
and then I get a terrible dessert. You always get a bad dessert with the your right. It's always like an apple or something. Yeah, doesn't mean I'm healthy. Just no, I'm vegetarian. no, this is it. And Everyone then, else has got something delicious. Yeah, and you could eat that thing that everybody else has yes. because it's not something with gelatin no, in it or whatever. No, yeah, I don't. It's, it's like they have this idea that you know, if you're vegetarian, it's not that you like animals; it's that you're some kind of weird health freak. Yeah, yeah. Want yes. to eat grated yeah. grated carrot? Yes. Dipped in demerara <laughs> sugar. I mean, it's yeah. Good. Uh, I, th- I feel we've um, mm. we've fairly much addressed all of that, right? Good. Yes. And that was this episode of our podcast. Thank you for listening to it. If you need to know the rules of any given uh, social situation in which you find yourself, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com and the same email address if you have a story that you'd like to share with us. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music. I did a bit of Googling after talking about it on last week's episode, and they are in the process of making new music, which is very exciting. I think they're recording at the moment, so thanks to them. And to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And this week, the incident featured Rachel Hosey. Now, Rachel is senior lifestyle reporter at Insider and Business Insider. You can find her on Twitter, Rachel underscore Hosey. Um, but you can find our stuff all over the internet. Do a bit of Googling. Use your initiative. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Carla Gowlett took the photos and Kim Rainey made the artwork. I think that's about everything. Um, I'll mention iTunes reviews because I haven't for a while. But, um, you know, if you haven't given us an iTunes review and that's how you listen to your podcasts, then it really helps people find us. Um, So please do that if you find yourself with an idle moment in which to write some glowing praise. If, If it wouldn't be glowing praise, then keep it to yourself. And finally, one last thing, as in the words of Annabelle's sister, excuse me... Adrift. Adrift. Annabelle, you uh, you want to start the podications this week with an announcement. It's kind of an announcement, kind of an apology. I just want to say, if you sent in a podication for what isn't a, on a particular date and you haven't heard it yet, what's another way of saying that? Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> date specific and. If you haven't heard it yet, then I'm sorry because there is a bit of a backlog for ones because so many people want ones for a particular date that the ones that don't ask a particular date tend to get left behind a bit. And I'm so sorry, but I shall mm. endeavour to to get them all done eventually. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way of balancing it out. Yes, but, yes. You know, it is difficult, you know, if, if three people all want one for a particular week, mm. you then kind of kick the generic one, the non-date specific one, yeah. into the long grass. And yeah. then the following week, more people want it for exactly. the birthdays and yeah. so anniversaries and so on. And I feel bad about So that's about what you're this. saying. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll try and... Um, so drip drip feed them into the date specific ones exactly, over the yes. coming weeks. Yes. Okay. Uh, this comes from John Burke, who says, 
Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. I've been listening to you since 2003, when I was the tender age of 18. God, 2003, Whoa. 15 years ago. I think it was a good year, 2003. Oh, I don't remember. It was the year we started The Breakfast Show. Oh, wow. Gosh. And I think that was a, that was a good... I think that was a good year of the breakfast show. Mm. I think the middle, the next year, not so good. The last year started poorly. It ended nicely. It ended nicely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I could could go through every year since um, no. 1992. And the fact you'd remember is And say which years were the good years and which years yeah. were the bad years. This is my so okay. However, this is my first time writing in, and to be honest, I don't really know what to say, but I thought, gosh darn it. Yes, gosh darn it. You know who you would get on with, uh, John? My co-host on the other podcast, Ed Miliband. Oh. He is the sort of person who would say, gosh darn it. Well, lovely. So he nice. described something as being crummy to me in a oh. text message yesterday. I love it. So nice. <laughs> and he speaks like Penfold from Danger oh. Mouse. <laughs> um, it's high time I did. I also said, once I became a Patreon supporter, still haven't received my title. I think he probably doesn't have it now, actually. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would email you. I'd like to podicate this episode to my wife, Alex, who I often talk to about the, and he uses inverted commas here, okay. highlights okay. of your show, even though she's not in the slightest <laughs> bit interested. We are both big Halloween enthusiasts, and one of my Halloween traditions was listening to your Halloween hometown show. You know, when you used to put on the creepy oh, no. old man voice no. with the creaky door sound effects. Oh, I hate that man. What what was that? Uh, come on, you you saying you don't remember your creepy old man voice? No, I remember, oh, but I, didn't, I don't remember the association with Halloween. Yeah, it's creepy. Oh, but to be honest, you didn't. It wasn't confined to Halloween. That's the voice I'm going to do when I'm a grandpa. Yes, I know, and it's creepy. Oh come on! No. I, I can't. I've not done it for so long. I don't know if I could um, conjure it up. Oh, which, 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 there was a lot of that, wasn't there? Yeah. Which, 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 I can't do it. Good. But I'll do it on next week's podcast. I'm going to spend the week practicing. Oh God! I don't. What I don't want to do here is sort of inflict me workshopping a voice that I used to on the radio for no, people. No, no, no. no. no I'll tell no, you no. what I can do just at the drop of a hat, though. What? Oh no, not the pilot's voice. <laughs> not, no, come on. Let's go back to the podication. Do you know I've done that on Radio Two and on Five Live? You have not. <laughs> Nowhere you can escape from it. I'm just doing it to spite you every time. Even I do though it. I'm not listening, yeah, just yeah. I got one over her. <laughs> Um, we are both big Halloween enthusiasts. Oh, we said that bit already. Uh, creepy old man, creepy sound. Yeah, creaky door sound effects. That was good. You used to always play the scariest song ever recorded as well. I think you know the one I mean. I miss that song. I, I was I'm working gonna... in the lab the oh, other day. I'm going to play it on Wednesday. I think. Yeah, me well, too. Yeah. Today, if you're listening to. Yeah. Um, I think the, the the website's gone now. There was a sort of frozen in time website oh. for the Monster Mash and Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kicker Five. Um, you know, it looked like something made in 1998 and never updated, but I don't think it's there anymore. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, but you know, is what? he with us? He's not with us, is he? No, he shuffled no. off this mortal coil. Right. You know, he's he's at the um, he's at the big Monster Mash in the sky. <laughs> of course, he is. Yeah, <laughs> with Dracula and his son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was wondering, will you be doing a Halloween special of Adrift this year? It'd bring a smile to the listeners' faces if you did. <laughs> anyway, I've rambled on long enough, so I'll leave it at that. Well, I mean, I think the first bit of the podcast was kind of Halloween special. Yeah, just for you, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, there would have been some old familiar stories. <laughs> 
been there for you. <laughs> Actually, the, I'm trying to think. I think that we would have still been on the radio when um, this this story about like no kids coming to our house happened, right? And maybe the diptyque candle in the jack o' lantern. Mm-hmm. But I think like the the stuff with Jean and the fancy dress and so on has happened. All new material. Sort of <laughs> But I mean, it'll be back again next year. Great, glad to hear. Great, yeah. Um, thanks, John in Reading. Well, John, good to hear from you. Um, Silent John. Silent John. What? Yeah, he's just been observing silently. Oh, for I see. These, all these years. Yeah, but now he's spoken. No up. longer silent. No. Yeah. And then the other one is from Jennifer Morris, who uh, wrote in the pirate email earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, her birthday is on the third of November, which is Saturday. Uh, and she says, as I'm sure no one else will have much to say about it, I thought I'd ask for a birthday hello from you. Hello. Hello. Many happy returns. Happy birthday. Uh, so there we go. I mean, I, I'll be honest, Annabelle, I think you could have fitted in I could have squeezed one an, more an extra in. generic yeah. podication to clear the backlog. The last few weeks we'd had a lot, so I was just like having maybe a sort of a slightly shorter week in case people were getting, thinking I was getting a bit long with podication. But that's why I leave a gap. Like there's the main show, mm. then there's a little gap, and then there's the podication. Oh, so you don't have to listen to it. So the podications are yeah. just for people who want to hear the podications. Yeah, we could have squeezed one more in. Yeah, yeah I'll take that on board. And uh, be back next week with something a bit different. And if you have a podication, date specific or otherwise, (laughs) email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.